Father, we're so thankful in Jesus' name for your presence. It is your presence here that makes the difference. We're not here to listen to a man. We're not here to celebrate the eloquence of man. We're here to embrace the life of God. You are the living bread that came down from heaven and gave life to the world. You are the water, the only water that can refresh us this morning. So we open ourselves to the ministry of the Holy Spirit today. Let every man, every woman, boy and girl know that they've been in the presence of God. And we give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to the book of John chapter 3. This morning, I've titled my short message, Made for More. You and I have been made for more. And I believe that in this day and at this time, the Lord in his grace is bringing us into a place of alignment where our eyes are opening to what we've been made for. We've been made for more. In John chapter 3, I'm going to read the first six verses. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Is everyone who says they are born of God, are they truly born again? You know, Jesus was speaking to a man, Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Jewish rabbi. He had come to Jesus by night. He was a man that was instructed in the scripture. He had the fear of God in him. He believed that Jesus had been sent from God. But he did not know how to enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, to see the kingdom and enter the kingdom, you must be born again. And to be born again is not the product of human effort. Because he said, whatever is born of flesh is flesh. But this is a real spiritual birth. I believe that in these few verses of scripture, the Lord wants to open our eyes and give us a key to the true dimension of the kind of life he has called us to live. He says, you must be born again. You must be born again. And I believe that this goes beyond the simple, you know, declaration of the gospel and, you know, coming forward and, and saying a sinner's prayer. Because he said, when you are born again, certain things will happen. He says, when you are born again, you will see the kingdom. When you are born again, you will enter the kingdom. You will see the kingdom and you will enter the kingdom. You know, I believe that when somebody is truly born again, certain things happen. Your spirit, that part of you. You know, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 that the very God of peace will sanctify you completely and your whole spirit and soul and body will be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's much more to you than your cognitive ability. 
There's a lot more to you than your physical attributes. There is a spiritual man that the Bible says is dead or separated from God. And when you are born again, that spiritual man comes alive. That spiritual man comes alive. And as a result of the life of that spirit, the Bible says you will come alive to spiritual truth. And you will start perceiving spiritual things. He says you will see the kingdom. You will enter the kingdom like Adam did. Your spiritual being has the same attributes as your physical being. Yeah. You, you know when. Mm, don't want to get ahead of myself. But when a baby is conceived in the mother's womb. That baby is alive is it not? In fact, at a certain stage in the pregnancy, very early in the pregnancy, uh, doctors can detect the heartbeat, can they not? At a certain stage in the pregnancy, the, the baby begins to move and the mother can feel the baby moving. So the baby is alive, is it not? It's been fed on the inside, but there comes a time when that baby is born. The baby in the womb can't see. It, it can hear sounds, but its auditory abilities are not well developed. They're not, are they? They can hear some sounds, but they can't, they can't see, they can't hear, they can't move around until the time of birth. Jesus said to Nicodemus, it is not about religion, it is about coming into the kingdom and coming into a place of union with God. He says you need to be born again because God has designed us as human beings to see the kingdom and to enter the kingdom. And these attributes were lost when Adam fell. But Jesus came to restore everything that Adam lost. You know, in, in the book of Ezekiel 28, verse 13, speaking about Lucifer, who after the fall became Satan, the Bible says that in the beginning, Lucifer was in Eden, the garden of God. And verse 14 says, this Eden was in the mountain of God. So the garden of Eden... Began in heaven. It's not a deep revelation. Just walk with me. But then after God created Adam. There was a garden on earth called Eden. Was there not? So there was Eden on earth. After a pattern of an Eden in heaven. The spiritual and the natural came into alignment. So in the cool of the day. God could come to converse with Adam. Because Adam was in Eden on earth as a physical being. But he had a spiritual part of him that could commune with God in a real way in the Eden of heaven. So God and man were in union together. You know, the Lord came to Adam in the cool of the day and talked to him. We see that all the way through scripture. That human beings had an interaction with the spiritual. But you know, when Adam fell, the spiritualized clothes, spiritual perception became dull. Access into the kingdom of God was cut off. You know, St. Augustine in his prayers, in his confession made the statement. He says, I was made for you and my heart will be restless until it finds its rest in you. There's a restlessness in the heart of man because humanity was created for communion with God. Nothing can fill it. Doesn't matter how many cars, wives, children and how much money you have. Nothing can fill it because you are essentially spirit. Jesus said, Nicodemus, what you are looking for requires a spiritual rebirth. You are made to see the kingdom. You are made to enter the kingdom. 
you need to be born again. When you're born again, you will come alive. You will come alive. That which Adam lost will be restored. Now, a simple survey will show that a vast majority of the people of God have never seen the kingdom, have never had a personal encounter with the king, have never come into the reality of this place that they've been told that they are seated in heavenly places with Christ. We might confess it, we might pray it, but a lot of us have not experienced it. A lot of us haven't experienced it. And in this verse, I believe that Jesus is showing us the true design of a son of God that has been born of the Spirit. The true design, God's true pattern. You know, I believe that a lot of us have become satisfied with less than what God ordained. And the whole thrust of this message is that we are made for more. We are made for more and Jesus came to earth for much more than for you to go to heaven. Much more than that. He came to earth that you will come into union with God. And you will be able to function as a spiritual man, as a son of God, as God created Adam to function in the very beginning. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17. You know it is important that we don't allow our theology to get in the way of the revelation of God. Because sometimes we had learned so much that it's blinded our eyes to the truth. The Bible says that we grow from grace to grace. So our eyes open into greater clarity. So don't be stuck in what you learned in kindergarten. As we move on in God and we learn new things and our eyes open, let us update our thinking. There are a lot of things that we read past in scripture and we assume, we don't actually look at them. So when we see, see the kingdom, we think it's metaphorical. When we see enter the kingdom, we think it's metaphorical. We don't think it's literal. And then we look at the life of Christ and we see that Christ actually saw the kingdom. We see that Christ actually entered the kingdom. We look at the disciples. We see that they saw the kingdom and they entered the kingdom. And then we look at ourselves and say, well, that is past. We, we find a way of justifying our lack of sight. We have been made for more. We have been made for more. The reason why our young people are going after new age religions is that it seems as though new age religions have within it access to the realm of the spirit. And they do. But you see, it is access into the realm of the spirit that is dominated by Satan, not access into the kingdom of God. But the reason, the only reason why they are moving in that direction is because we haven't been taught and we haven't taught our young people that in Christ is the bounty of God's wisdom and knowledge. In Christ is the beauty of everything that God has. In Christ, the rivers of pleasure are much deeper and higher than anything you can get anywhere else. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17... The Apostle Paul makes the statement about those who are born of God. He says, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. This is God's design to come into a joining with him. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You know, when you are married to your spouse, the Bible says you become one flesh with your spouse. When you are married to the Lord, you become one spirit. With him. The marriage supper of the Lamb is not going to happen in future. Because he says here that he that is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit. That is marital language. That is marital language. You are not dating. You've entered into a marriage relationship. He says that the person that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. 
Now in this unity, our marriage grows day by day. It's like what happens in an earthly marriage. First the couple sign the papers. And then day by day they join together their thoughts, their dreams, their characters, their goals until they become one heart. The sad thing is that like with many marriages, many never enter into the awesome union with Christ that we are destined for. There are married marriages that just have a certificate. Don't talk to each other for weeks. Yeah? Chandai. You know, it's only in Nigeria that, you know, I went to look at a house years ago when we were looking to rent in a place. And I get into the house. I say, this is our guys' room. This is madame's room. I'm like, why, why are there two rooms? He said, well, you know how it is. I said, no. Well, how is it? Explain to me. <laughs> now, I can, I can understand madame having a walk-in closet that is the size of a room. Do you understand? As all married men have come to understand. That there's no equity in terms of cupboard space. Get that. Understand that. Yes. I, I, I get that. But I said, explain to me what we're talking about. He said, no, no. Ah, we only come together on predefined days. Because they can't stand each other necessarily. I was like, really? So all, all they have is a certificate that says that at some point we said some words. That is no union. That is no marriage. The number of times I get into counseling situations... And, you know, so I said, like, so when was the last time you guys made love? People say six months, one year. I even had one year. You don't know what it did for me, one year. And I said to myself, I didn't say it out loud. I said, and you're still married. Yeah? There's no intimacy. There's no intimacy. We almost suggest that intimacy is the icing on the cake. Meanwhile, it is the main ingredient in the cake. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. With him. The design of being born again. To be born again means you are joined to the Lord. You are one spirit with him. This means that we are not two separate spirits. He over there far away in heaven. And me here trying to be spiritual once in a while. One spirit means... That he has bonded in such a way with my spirit that I no longer know where he begins and I end and where he ends and I begin. This is what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus. Unless you are born again, the destiny of God for humanity is that you will be joined to Christ and Christ will be joined to you. Hallelujah. That is what being born again means. You know, let me ask you, is there any chance... That a spirit that has become one with God will not be able to see, hear, and feel the operations of God. Do you think it's possible? It's impossible. If indeed I'm one with him. If I'm joined with him. You know, the word, when it says that man was created in the image and in the likeness of God, the image of God was almost like a phantom where the animals saw Adam and they will think it was God and they will get closer and see it was Adam. It was such a union between man and God that he looked like God. In fact, it was the very glory of God that covered him. And that was why he didn't recognize he was naked. Because there was such a union between the spirit and the natural that the very glory of the spirit was what engulfed his natural body. And it was when that was broken that he realized that he was naked. 
Jesus said, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Look at verse 11 of John 3. You know, Jesus could testify about the kingdom because he saw it and experienced it. And he saw it and experienced it not because he was Jesus. Because everything he did, he did as a human being. And that is why it's a credible pattern for us. In verse 11 of John 3, he says, Jesus is speaking here. He's still talking to Nicodemus. He says, most assuredly I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. And you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. Now if you want a riddle, look at this verse. He says, no one has ascended to heaven except the son of man, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who what? Is in heaven. So the son of man came down from heaven. And he's talking to you now, but he's also in heaven. Now, this was not saying like, oh, I didn't lose my connection with heaven. It was more than that. It was more than an awareness. There was a reality in that fellowship. Because that was exactly what Adam had. Adam came from God, did he not? Did God not breathe him out of himself and put him in a physical body? So Adam came from God, was in a physical body... But then he interacted with heaven, did he not? Because in the cool of the day, there was a vital union and communion. And Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, talking about being born again, says there's no one who has come down from heaven except the son who is in heaven. Look at John chapter 5. You know, like last week when Igbe was speaking, the thrust of this message is to bring us into a place of discomfort. Because I left church uncomfortable last week. Because I was asking myself, which Jesus do I know? Is this the Jesus that is my healer, my provider, or do I know the Christ? What Jesus do I know? Well, I, I want you to be uncomfortable this service. To ask yourself, have I been born again, really? I'm not questioning your eternal destiny. That's not what this message is about. Even though we're going to talk about that a little bit. But have I been born again, really? According to Christ's definition. Yeah? Have I been born again, really? Have I been born into Christ? Have I come into union with God? In John chapter 5 verse 19, Jesus speaking about his operation. So we know it's not metaphorical here. He says, Jesus answered and said, Most surely I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself except what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these. That you may marvel. Remember Jesus said to his disciples before he left. That the works that I do you will do. And greater works than this shall you do. Now he's telling them how. He said that the son the things I do. I see the father do. I see him do it. So I do it. So my knowledge. My vision doesn't come from myself. I am in vital fellowship with God. And that fellowship is not just me praying about certain things. And saying God come through for me. That fellowship leads to insight. Where he shows me what he's doing. There is a vital connection. There's a vital fellowship. There's a vital interaction. And the things that I am doing, I am doing based on sight that has come out of a dynamic union with the Father. And he said, this is the pattern I am leaving for you to follow. 
Because as he went to the cross, the Bible says that there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. Through Christ, the door between heaven and earth has been opened. Through Christ, the access to the Father has been opened. And now he says you can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It is not just a prayer scripture. It is a reality scripture. He says you can come into dynamic fellowship with me where I will open the eyes of your understanding and you will come into union with me where your life will be driven by the power of my spirit. You begin to see and you begin to hear. You begin to see and you begin to hear. I will take you on journeys. You begin to see and you begin to hear. You know in verse 8 of John chapter 3, he said those who are born of the spirit are like the wind. You don't know where they are coming from. You don't know where they are going. You can't determine their behavior based on what is happening in the economy. Because their life is powered By the Holy Spirit. They are led by the Spirit. Hallelujah. They are led by the Spirit. You know, that is not something that is allocated to the spiritually mature. It is fundamental to the operation of a new creation. It's fundamental. Because what does born again mean anyhow? If you say you are born again and you don't see the kingdom, you haven't entered the kingdom... You have no encounter with the king. All you know is a few scriptures and you are trying your best like everybody else. You're not born again. Because he said that it's going to open you into a new dimension of life. Come on now. It must open us into a new dimension of life. He says if you seek me, you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. If we begin to start getting hungry for this, this new birth as defined by God, it is going to change our priorities. Hallelujah. It's going to change what we expect from ourselves. The minimum standard that we have set for ourselves is too low. It's too low. Because the error is not with John chapter 3. The error is what we have allowed ourselves to believe. You know, at some point in history, it occurred to somebody to preach that as soon as you come forward and you say a few prayers, you are born again. Not questioning your eternal destiny. And begin to feel it come into the room. You know, somehow that notion became common knowledge. And everyone who has ever come forward anywhere to say a few prayers says, I'm born again. So we have a nation of the most born again people on planet earth. And they tell me that in Abuja, the number of born again people have been paid off by different administrations of government and stand behind pulpits. If you know the number of born again pastors that have been paid off by unscrupulous government officials, your head will spin. That's not what born again means. That's not what born again means. You can't be born again and there be no life transformation. You can't be one spirit with the Lord and there be no change. You know, God operates in patterns and designs. And the physical universe is an idea of God's style. Yeah, because the physical world was created after the pattern of the spiritual. Yeah, and that's why, for instance, you are tripartite. There's Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's spirit, soul, and body. That union. Yeah, everything is built after the pattern of God. In plants, you have a seed. You plant the seed. It doesn't become an instant fruit. It goes through a process, does it not? Yeah? In conception, you know, they come together, husband and wife, and an embryo is conceived. There's conception that happens, but there's like nine months period. And then there's a birth. 
There's a process that leads to a birth. There's life there, but the birth hasn't occurred yet, has it? I said there's life there. Conception took place. There is life there. I'm not saying there's no, no, there's life there. There is life there, but the birth hasn't taken place yet. Because when birth takes place, this child that had life in the womb begins to see, begins to hear, begins to walk. There is a process that leads to the birth. There is a process that leads to the birth. You know, in John 1.12, and I've shared this verse of scripture before. John 1.12 says, as many as received him, to them he gave power to become sons of God. He gave them the power to become. Everyone say to become. Oh, he gave them power to become. That word become is ginomai, and the tense in the grace is like be becoming. It is a process of development that leads to sonship. You know, a, a woman can already name the child in the womb and say, my baby, my baby, my baby. Yeah? And already, you have already planned out the room that they're going to live in. If you are, you know, a far-thinking parent, you have already started putting money aside for their education fund. The baby's alive, is it not? Yeah? Conception has taken place, has it not? But the birth hasn't occurred yet. Unfortunately, a lot of us seem to be satisfied with staying in the womb. It says, as many as received him, he gave them power to become. Power to become sons of God. And when they become sons, they'll begin to see and hear. They'll begin to see and hear. That's one of the things that will happen when they become sons. They'll begin to see and hear. There are so many verses in scripture. There was a man called Ananias in Acts chapter 3. And as he was praying as a son, he began to see and hear. And the Lord said, Ananias, go down the street called Straight. There's a guy whose house is called Simon. In his house at the moment, there is a man named Saul of Tarsus who is currently praying. And in his prayer, he has seen a vision. He began to see and hear. That verse of scripture is actually quite interesting because when, when the Lord manifested to him, he didn't say, ah, it's the Lord. We don't see an expression of sudden surprise. Are you with me? Sudden surprise. Because the spirit of a born again believer sees and hears. Sees and hears. Receives specific instructions. There's a man called Philip. He was not a preacher. And this is in Acts chapter 8. He says, the angel of God came and said, I, I want you to go out into the desert. This is what the Lord will have you do. And when he got to the desert, he said, you know, that chariot, join yourself to that chariot. He began to see and hear. And the Bible says that after he ministered to the Ethiopian eunuch, the spirit lifted him up and transferred him somewhere else. I mean, he wasn't like, a, like an ordained minister. He was actually a deacon in the church. He began to see and hear because it is an attribute of not calling, but of birth. There was a time that we were really seeking God about direction. And, you know, the Lord gave me a vision in that process of seeking him. And, and what he taught me in that vision, he showed me a pair of lungs and said, being led by my spirit is like breathing. He said, being led by my spirit is like breathing. You are born with the equipment. He showed me a pair of lungs. And I understood what he meant because every child is born with a pair of lungs. Breathing is not hard for a child because it is a child. It has been born. Oh, are you listening to me this morning? The, the child has been born, therefore the child can breathe. 
He said, son, being led by my spirit is like breathing. God has not called you as a child of God to stumble around on planet earth. No, being led by him, being directed by him is like breathing. It comes as part of the equipment of the birth. If you are having difficulty breathing, what typically happens in the hospital is that they will smack your bum. Is that not what they do? Because it's natural to breathe. We need to demand it of ourselves, if we are born again, to enter into the realm of life where we can breathe. Where we can breathe. Where we don't have a testimony session because we happen to take a few breaths of oxygen. Where this is how we live on a daily basis. We must be able to breathe. And if we're not breathing, we should not be satisfied until we can breathe. That is the difference maker. If our times of prayer do not lead to sight, we have not learned to pray. We have not learned to pray. Have we become satisfied with less than God's plan? Have we allowed ourselves to settle for a dimension of living that is below what Jesus brought? Look at another dimension of life. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 6. Being born again, beginning to see and hear the kingdom of God. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 6. It says, whoever, whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Being born again. He says that a man who is born again has the divine seed abiding in him. And the practice of sin, the habitual practice of sin cannot happen in the life of one that is born again because he says that the seed of God abides in that person. The seed of God abides in that person and he cannot. Everyone say he cannot. That means that even though he may like to sin, there is a force on the inside of you that vehemently opposes it. It will not let you sleep. It will steal your peace. There is no way you can be born of God and be comfortable living a life of habitual sin. It is impossible. It is impossible. I am not saying that we don't fall on our faces from time to time. But when you fall on your face, there is something. There is an internal principle on the inside of you that will not let you rest. It will not let you rest. It does not matter what kind of a six pack he has or how low her neckline is. Shandai. Oh, I'm going to visit there this morning. Uh-huh. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Praise God. There is something on the inside. It says the seed of God remains in him. And there are certain things that he cannot do. He cannot do. He cannot do. You'll have to say to the guys, listen, I used to love hanging out. And we, you know, we used to talk this kind of stuff. But I, I can't do it anymore. Because there's something on the inside. There's a principle on the inside. 
There's a seed on the inside. And if I've been born again, I can't do it anymore. Can't do it anymore. The seed in one that is born again simply cannot live together with sin. You may have to kick him out of the house. Or her out of the house. We can't live together if we're not married. We don't care how many sitcoms make it fashionable. If you are born again, it is impossible for you to be comfortable with that. If you are comfortable with it, you are not born again. You are not born again. Let us just talk about it straight. Because the Bible says he cannot do it. Cannot, 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 cannot. Because there is a higher principle at work in that life. You see, one of the things, one of the things about a seed before it's born is that a seed in the womb can die. Mm -hmm. A seed in the womb can die. You know, in Mark chapter 4, where you know this parable, the parable of the different kinds of soil. And this is something that we have to be very careful about. The parable of the different kinds of soil, there were four kinds of soil, but it only bore fruit in one. Yeah. You know, for many years, I had difficulty with that passage. Because, you know, I've always preached that, you know, the word of God is the word of God. The word of God created the worlds. Nothing can stand in the way of the word. And that's true. We declared it over the life of these children this morning. But, you know, I gave the parents an admonition. That the words that we are speaking today, you need to continue declaring those words over the life of your children. That is what causes it to frame God, God's word needs our cooperation. I said God's word needs our cooperation. If we do not cooperate the word of God, then God will be a controller if, because then he's, he's contravening the law of free will. We have to come into alignment with his word for that word to be potent in our lives. That's why Adam and Eve were allowed to sin. If I were God, I would not put the tree there and I'll just control them all their lives. But thank God I'm not God. He, he wants free love, love that is given voluntarily. So you cannot truly love the Lord if you do not have the right not to choose him. I mean, and he knows all things. I mean, if it was me and you were just acting the right way, I, I was like, you know, I don't care what you're thinking about. I'll just, I'll just receive it. Praise God. I'll receive the obedience and the compliance. But the one who sees all things and knows all things sees what's going on in your heart. So he needs you to love him voluntarily. He needs you to love him voluntarily. So the Bible says that there were there are four different kinds of ground. One was the wayside, that as soon as the word was sown, the devil stole it immediately. That, that heart was hardened. It was not even ready to receive the word. But you know, another two kinds of ground received the word with gladness. There was the one that was sown on stony ground. The word was received with gladness. They were celebrating the word. They came to church and clapped and bought the tape and bought the CD. But the word did not have root in their hearts. So that word died when persecution came up. As soon as they were confronted. You know, in one of those places where, you know, we're hanging with the guys and they confront you. Ah, you've started going to church recently. I hope you're not taking this thing too seriously. You know, because given our status, given our status, you know, when we are going to Abuja with the boys... You know how we operate. And the girls are many that are willing to... Uh, okay, you guys are not aware of this. <laughs> I hope you're not trying to mess things up. And say, no, no, no. Uh -uh. <laughs> In fact, 
or when we are sharing the money, in the middle of the night, when we have real discussions, after all have gone to bed, I hope you're not, no, 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 no. My 35% is still assured. It, it says that that word that was sown died. There were those that were sown among thorns, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things, where they had legitimate desires that became obsessive. You know, a lust, whenever you look at a lust, it begins with a true desire that God has given. You know, the devil cannot give anything, can only twist things. That ambition, that strength, that desire for good things that has been God-given, it's God-given. But the enemy will make it an obsession and that will become a God and it will control your life. And what will happen is that it will choke the word. It will choke it. So that that which was alive died. Because you did not nurture this thing. You did not nurture it to a point where it led to a transformed life and a true birth. I'm not even going to argue with you about whether you are going to heaven or not. Why have that argument? I mean, I can live life as a son of God. Why am I determining whether I am unrighteous enough to make heaven or not? I mean, that is a stupid discussion. That is a stupid discussion because... You are a son of the king for whom the inheritance of the Lord Jesus has been made available to you. And then you are deciding that, okay, how many pigs can I eat with that will still make me eligible? I mean, what kind of discussion are we having? That shows that we have moved away from the true gospel and the true life of Christ. You know, the message, I believe, of God to our generation. And this is an assignment where you can go home and read this. This is the letter of John to the Laodicean church in Revelation chapter 3. Where the Lord writes a letter to his people. And he says that you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. You think that you've got it together, but you haven't even begun yet. So he gave them a warning. He said, come to me. It all begins with true repentance. A recognition of where we are. He said, come to me and buy gold from me that has been tested in fire. Come and receive wisdom from me. Come to me and receive true garments of righteousness. Come to me and receive eye salve for your eyes so that your eyes will open. And then you will enter into the true inheritance that God has made us for. Read that letter to the Laodicean church and see it as a letter of God to you. And use that to judge yourself. Because the Bible says that when we judge ourselves, we'll not be judged by the Lord and judged with the world. Let us come into alignment because God has made us for more. He has made us for glory. He has made us to rule and reign with him forever. He has made us for favor. He has made us to be the crown of creation. He has made us to sit with him together in his throne. As the father has caused him to sit in his throne. That is what we are made for. Do not settle for less. Do not settle for less.